we're in a series called The Survivor's Guide to the End of the World. And so we'll be looking at Scripture and trying to let Scripture explain Scripture. Um, so we want you to be a part of that. We want you to dig in, get your note sheet out, write notes, find the Scripture references. Because I want you to be like the Bereans did that when Paul spoke or taught from the Word, they would take that and take it home and find out exactly what that Scripture was telling just to help to keep everybody on the same page and in, in unity and, and in truth. Before we get started, would you just say the word Jesus? Do you remember they were just saying two or three things stuck out to me so strong. First of all, that was what you call heartfelt worship. If you ever wondered what that meant, that's called heartfelt worship. And that's what I long for us as our, as our goal, as our vision is that where it moves beyond how many songs did we sing, it begins to get into my heart to his heart. And then, and then major things begin to happen. And also there's a line that they said, he's pleased with you. Have you ever thought about that? We always think about how bad we are, and we're good at that, aren't we? But did you hear that? He says he's pleased with you as a father, that he loves you. I, you may need to just take that in a minute. As your father, he's pleased with you. He loves you. He designed you. I just felt like those things were needed to be reinforced this morning. All right, let's get into this teaching. In 1 Corinthians, I'm not going to ask you to turn to this little passage. I'm just going to use it as an intro. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 2, Paul describes an event in his life that ha this happened to him. And when he writes it, he writes it in the third person. And in a moment, I'm going to read it to you. I'm, I took it out of the third person and put it into the first person. I don't think it changes the story. But I want it's an event that Paul said that he was called up into the third heaven. That he was called out of. There's, you know, there's some in scripture, there's different levels of heaven. This this would be an earthly environment or a realm. It talks about a celestial realm. Then it talks about an, a next realm or the third heaven where Paul was called up to it. And it says this in 1 Corinthians 12 too. Uh, from a time of a vision and a revelation from the Lord, 14 years ago, I was caught up to the third heaven. Whether I was in the body or not, I don't know. I was caught up to paradise or the place or the presence of God, the atmosphere of God. And there I heard inexpressible things, things that a man is not permitted to tell. Now just let your imagination go for just a minute. He said, I don't know if I, was I, don't know if I saw it in a vision. I don't know if the Lord pulled me up and took me, poked my head through a third realm and let me see but he said, I saw things there I cannot explain. And I saw some things there that are coming that I was not willing, are not able or permitted to speak about. And the reason I'm telling you that is because I think what we're going to read in 1 Corinthians today, or uh, excuse me, Thessalonians today, 2 Thessalonians, is we're going to see or hear some of the things that he saw when he got up there to that third realm and began to see all the way into the future a prophetic kind of view that he had. So, if you have your Bibles, go to 2 Thessalonians, chapter 2. 
And we're going to be reading verses 1 through 12. And then I'm going to walk back through it uh, kind of briefly and highlight the different elements that we're going to be learning about this world leader that is coming. And I want to say to you, don't be afraid. We're looking at some stuff that we're trying to explain. Some gets clear in Revelation as time's go, time goes on. But I will tell you this from the beginning of, of any, or the end of it all. If you're in Christ, you win. And if you're in Christ, you're protected. And if you're in Christ, you will not experience the wrath of God. You're protected. Because that, uh, he's a good, good father. Thank you for saying that. All right, have you found it? Let's stand and let's honor God's word. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. So, the reason I wanted you to say Jesus at the beginning, I wanted you to know who we worship and who we serve. And I wanted you to, when you said the name of Jesus, it says the demonic has to flee. So get out here. Jesus is Lord, and we've asked him to be here with anointing and power and do his word, fulfill his word. So, here we are, and we know we're going to be talking about today the man of lawlessness, or the Antichrist that will be coming into our future. So I wanted to clarify, we worship the Christ, not the Antichrist. Concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, and our being gathered to Him, we talked about that last week, being called out to be with Him, we ask you, brothers, not to become easily upset or unsettled, or alarmed by some prophecy, a report, or a letter supposed to have come from us saying that the day of the Lord has already come. So he is saying at this point to the Thessalonican church, I know that you received a letter from somebody. And it said it was supposed to be from us, and it wasn't. And in this letter it says the day of the Lord, or the judgment of God has already come, and now you're in the millennial reign. I, I know there was a church in town a few years back that was basically teaching that same thing again, that we're in the millennial reign. I'm telling you, we're not. And it's not very hard to see that we're not there at this point. Because the millennial reign is going to be a very sweet time on planet Earth. So he, they, he was talking about this false document that the church had received. Verse 3. Don't let anyone deceive you in any way, for that day... And when you talk about the day or the day of the Lord, we're talking about the last three and a half years or the day of judgment that God is going to bring judgment upon the earth. That day will not come until the rebellion occurs and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the man that is doomed to destruction. He will oppose and will exalt himself over everything that is called God or is worshipped so that he sets himself up in God's temple proclaiming himself to be God. Don't you remember that when I was with you, I used to tell you these things. This is Paul speaking. And now you know that you know what is holding him back so that he may be revealed at the proper time. For the secret power of lawlessness is already at work. We can see that, right? But the one who now holds it back will continue to do so Till he is taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed. Whom the Lord Jesus Christ will overthrow with the breath of his mouth. And destroy by the splendor of his coming. The coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with the work of Satan. Displayed 
in all kinds of counterfeit miracles, signs, and wonders, and in every sort of evil that deceives those who are perishing. They perish because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. For this reason, God sends them a powerful delusion so that they will believe the lie and so that all will be condemned who do not believe the truth but have delighted in wickedness. Lord, we ask you on this day to give revelation to our minds and our hearts. Let us see you, who you are. Let us see the story you tell us to be prepared for so that we will not be caught up in any form of the deception that the scripture says is coming. Lord, anoint the message. Anoint our ears to hear your truth. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, we're just going to take this passage and break it apart a little bit where you can make a list of things that identify this coming lawless one. The scriptural names of what the Bible calls the Antichrist. Now, when I say Antichrist, it's basically what that means. It's against Christ, the opposite of Christ. And so, for example, if Christ is truth, then the anti is deception. Got it? So what the man we're talking about today is not a partial truth. He will be deception of truth. He always tries to mimic the Lord Jesus. He's jealous of him. Uh, we, I, we get to the issue of Jesus' love. So the opposite is of this spirit that's coming is hate. If Jesus is faith, then this, the opposite is going to be fear and doubt. If it is light then if Jesus is light, then we know that he's going to work, this anti is going to work in darkness. If he is to give life, if Jesus came that we could have life and have it to the abundance, we know that the anti is going to come to bring death because we know he comes to steal, kill, destroy. So we see the picture here that the one that's coming on a world stage will be anti, just the opposite of Jesus. Now let's look at the scriptural names of Antichrist found in Thessalonians and then we'll look at a couple of other passages. In verse 2 it says he's a man of lawlessness and we may hear that as just that he doesn't observe the laws of the land. No, he, he doesn't observe the laws of God where the laws of God establishes a moral standard, a basic uh, right and wrong. This Antichrist will have none of the law of God in him. Matter of fact, he will be against anything that looks like the hand of God in a situation. It says in verse, and also verse 2, that this one coming is doomed to destruction. We'll know as you look later that he is going to be bound, uh, Satan will be bound at the end of the seven-year period or the last three-and-a-half-year great tribulation. He will be bound and put into, it says, the pit where he will be remained in bondage, no longer on planet earth to, to function, for a thousand years. And Christ will come, and he's going to, in that, in that thousand year time, set up his kingdom on this earth. At Easter, I'm going to talk about what heaven is, and it's a, it blows your mind, what heaven is. And this new uh, kingdom, or this new city, that's going to come out of heaven and come to the earth, it kind of messes with my brain how awesome and massive this thing is that's going to be coming. So that's an Easter. I'm going to talk to you about heaven and what he's going to be coming. All right. He's going to be at, at the end of, he's tied up for a thousand years. 
And at the end of the thousand years, he is released from his bondage and he is finally defeated. And at the end of that thousand years, he is sent to the place designed for him. It's called hell. And there he'll be forever destroyed. So that's exciting to know. God does not want you or your people or anybody you love or anybody you know to go to this place that's designed for the demonic destruction. And he's done everything in his power to come and tell us there's a way out of this. You don't have to do this on your own. You can give your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, be covered by his blood, forgiven of your sin, and dwelt with the power of the Holy Spirit, a deposit for a day that's coming. All that is available, and he sent his son to die on the cross to pay for this. He loves you. He's a good father. And he doesn't want any, any humans to go there, but the only ones that do are the ones who reject Jesus. Please don't. That'd be a, the worst mistake you could ever make. He's doomed to destruction. It says in uh, also verse 3, he is a man of sin. That's the motive of his heart is rebellion against God because the sin is transgression or it's one that intent, in this case intends to miss the design of God because he wants to be God, this Antichrist. He's known as Antichrist in 1 John 2.22. That's where we get the name Antichrist. It says he's also called in Roman, or excuse me, Revelation 9, the angel of the bottomless pit. In other words, he's foretelling where he's going. And in Revelation 11, it says he's called the beast. So those are just some of the names that came out of the Thessalonian passage and a couple of other passages for you to look at. So that we can identify him as he arises upon the world scene. I wanted you to get some, hear these scriptural definers so you can begin to see what he looks like. We're going to add a few more now. I want to show you the popularity of the coming Antichrist. I want to show you how popular he will be. Economically, he's going to be influential. Scripture talks about that he's going to take a financial chaos. And if you've not noticed, most nations of the earth are in financial chaos. They don't even know how they manage to keep it all going. Uh, but when he comes, he will organize or bring with him an economic influential concept that will bring stability to the world financial system. And it will be a one world economy in, that, in his solution. He will be politically neutral. He's not going to be coming after the, the progressives or the conservatives. He's going to be coming in such a way that will try to encompass or bring in all political action to be a part because they will believe that he is going to be able to finally bring peace on the planet. It will be a one world type of government. It will be ruled by one. He will be spiritually ecumenical. In other words, he will try to take all forms of religion, including Christianity, and wrap them into one unified world type of religion. Because he's going to try to get everything in one under his leadership. And it'll make sense when it comes. It'll look great as it comes. It'll look like, wow, that's what we've been waiting for when it comes. He will be militarily vital. He will have strength because he's going to come as a political and a military leader. He will come politically and military. So he will have might, a, world war, uh, a one world military force. He will also come with great charisma. I don't think that's the right term. But you know what I mean. 
Because I don't want to give him a, a picture that he has a gift of God. That's not it. But he'll come with that personality that will be very attractive and appealing uh, to begin to be this one world leader. He intellectually will be diabolical. He is going to bring in the plan, the structure, the finances of the government, the religion and everything. Bring it under, under one head and it will be this under the one world leader. Now I want to talk to you a moment here about the activities of the Antichrist. Matthew 24, you know that last, that, verse, that chapter in 24 that talks about the details of the coming of the Lord. And I'm going to pull one verse out of it. Verse 24 says, For false, false Christs and false prophets will appear and will perform great miraculous, uh, excuse me, great miracles, now, I underline this, and you may want to underline it in Matthew 24, 24. Perform great signs and miracles to deceive even the elect of God, if it were possible. So whatever this deception is, and next Sunday we're going to talk about the deception that may be coming, that will be coming. But it, the line that has always kind of tripped me up, it says, even the elect will be enticed to go into this if it were possible the deception will be that great so let's look at some of the activities of the antichrist first of all he has no moral standard so don't think that he would there would be some areas that he wouldn't go into or wouldn't control or manipulate because he has no limits except an evil heart uh, second he will present himself as god Said that, we were just reading that in Thessalonians. Actually, chapter 2, verse 4. It says, he will oppose and exalt himself above everything that's called God or anything that is worshipped. So he will come on the scenes and he will eventually, at the middle of the last seven years or the 70th week of Daniel, we've not even got into Daniel much in this, but Daniel talks about the 70th week or the last seven years. In the middle of that of that last seven years, he will, Scripture is clear, declare himself to be God. After he's established all this one world, put, brought peace, he's written a peace treaty with Israel, he's gotten all kinds of things in place. This is three and a half years in. He will declare, I am God. Third, he is a financial savior. <clears throat> he's going to clearly be identified as the world leader who has the plan to bring all of this financial chaos into a place of health and unity. So we know that he's going to come with a, with a financial plan. <clears throat> we do know in, in 2 Thessalonians verse two, um, chapter 2, verse 9, that his power comes from Satan. This is a Lucifer dark level of power that he'll function in. But it's, it's a real power that he's going to be having. He's going to be a miracle worker. 2 Thessalonians 2.9, second part. He will be a miracle worker. Be able to do things no other man has been able to do except Jesus. And if you'll watch everything that Satan and the Antichrist will be doing will be in some way a mockery or an anti-Jesus in what he has already done. He'll be a miracle worker. Motivated by pure evil in, in verse 10 of chapter 2. Two. Motivated by pure evil. 
It says that he will even, because I, I struggle with the NIV that says that God is going to bring the delusion. I don't think that's right. I've looked at some other uh, translations. I'm not sure I'm positive with the NIV. Because God does not bring delusion or deception. But it says in that passage that this one will cause a delusion that those who have received the mark of the beast in the hand or the forehead that will make you possible for functioning within the economy. See, that's the new world economy that's coming. This, this mark of the beast will be the thing that allows you to live within his new economy. And you are not to take of that mark, as although it will be very tempting to do, because at that point, we will be outside of the economic system as we know it. So we'll have to figure that out if the Lord does not return before that time. He casts a delusion. And then the last thing in 2 Thessalonians 2 verse 4 says that he will do this thing called the abomination of desolation. A little bit of a time frame pictured in that passage. The abomination is when he stands in the rebuilt temple. We know it's not rebuilt yet, but we know all the plans are there. We know the, the red heifer has our red heifers, which is a part of the sacrifices, are already being bred and kept ready for the temple. The plans are there, the money's in place, they're just waiting for the probably a peace treaty that allows the rebuilding of the temple, and then they, they'll reconstruct that temple. Because it says he will be standing in the temple when he declares that he is God. And then will require worship to turn toward him. I want to talk to you about his partner just a moment. There's a partner coming with the Antichrist. There's going to be a, a worldwide rebellion or a spiritual moving away by there's going to be associated with the Antichrist a false prophet. They're going to come where the Antichrist comes as a military and a governmental leader. The false prophet is going to be the one that comes as the religious leader and will regulate this one world religion. He's very powerful and we'll, we'll see some more about him right now. Thessalonians 2, 3, about halfway into that, says that day, which is the day of the Lord or judgment, will not come until the rebellion occurs and the man of lawlessness is revealed. Matthew 24, that other prophetic uh, verse in a uh, chapter starting in verse 9 says you will be handed over this are the, these will be the people in Israel the moment the antichrist declares i am god it says it for you for the israelites and those that are in jerusalem it says you're going to be turned over to be persecuted and put to death and you'll be hated by all nations because of me have you noticed how many all the nations hate jews have you seen that do you understand America is probably the only nation on the planet that stands with Israel? It's kind of interesting how that spirit is already there. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and will deceive many people because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. So we kind of see the elements that would be happening. So we have this government, military leader, Antichrist, spiritual leader, the uh, false prophet. 
Let's look at the false prophet just a moment. Go to Revelation, if you will, verse chapter 19, verse 20. <clears throat> Let's look at a little bit of a picture of the right-hand man to the Antichrist. <clears throat> Revelation chapter 19, verse 20. The beast, which we know, we've, we've heard their name already, is the Antichrist. The beast was captured, and with him, the false prophet. So we see the partner there. That's the deceptive religious leader who had performed the miraculous signs on his behalf. <clears throat> With these signs, he had deluded those who had received the mark of the beast and worshipped his image. I think that's the proper. Because this, this, there's going to be a deception fall upon the people who have, not, who have rejected Jesus. I think that line that says even the elect would be drawn away and enticed if it were possible but I don't think it's going to be possible for those who know the Lord. Because you already have the truth. You have the Spirit within you. And the Spirit Himself will be telling you, that looks really good, but that's not right. Because here's what God's Word says. We come back to His Word. With these signs, He had deluded those who had received the mark of the beast and worshipped His image. Now, jump back to Revelation 13, a few pages. And look at verses 14 and 15. <clears throat> then I saw another beast coming out of the earth. And it's a Gentile. That's what that means. He had two horns, which seems to represent power and authority. He had two, two levels of authority. Look at this. Like a lamb. And who's he, comp who's he copying there? Jesus, who came as the lamb. Who... who uh, like a lime, lamb, but he spoke like a dragon. He, the false prophet, exercised all the authority of the first beast on his behalf and made the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast whose fatal wound had been healed. The primary function you can tell from this false prophet is to get people pointing to, to worship the Antichrist. Notice something interesting in Second. Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 5 through 6. Someone or something is holding this, thing, this activity from happening. Paul said it, and it's a little, he said, you all know what I'm talking about, because we've talked about this. But he didn't tell us what it is. He just said there is something or someone holding back at this point that activity that he's been teaching us about or this Antichrist coming. Here's what he says. And now you know what is holding him back. The Thessalonians. So he may be revealed at the proper time. For the secret power of lawlessness is already at work. But the one who hold, now holds it back. Will continue to do so. Till he is taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed. What is this mystery? Who is this one that is currently holding this Antichrist back? I looked and studied and researched and I found a list of about ten different things that people thought that it may be this, it may be that, it may be that government or this person or whatever. I believe there's no other one more that's powerful enough to do this work other than the power of the Holy Spirit through the church. 
I believe that we, functioning as the body of Christ, are the, is the thing that is holding back the revelation of this uh, deceptive one at this point. It says that will happen until it is removed. So that's kind of interesting. That we will be caught out and then this thing, will, this power, this deception will come in a very powerful way. This is why we as a church have responsibilities while we're here. It may not be popular with the world. You uh, may not get on television by taking these positions other than to potentially ridicule you. But the church has a responsibility to be Jesus on planet earth during this season. That means we must believe what Jesus taught. We must take the actions that we know that Jesus would take in our culture. We are to be the hands, the feet, the mouth, the eyes, the ears of Jesus. We are the body of Christ. And that means we are not to be necessarily worried about being politically correct or even popular or famous. What we're called to be is to hold a standard of what God says is true and to reject that which is false because you're salt and you're light. You're salt in preservation and you're light in revealing the darkness. That means that we will be in situations where we have to stand for what God stands for. We have to stand against abortion at all costs. Killing babies primarily for convenience is dark. It is, it's midnight dark. It's us killing us and justifying it is all right. It's not. That's evil, and it should, should be a stance we take. You know what I pray? I pray that there would be a movement within Hamlin who has that call to say, we're going to take this stand, and we'll help lead our church to take this stand. I know that may be popular, unpopular with some of you. I really don't care, because we are to be the body of Christ. He said, I came to give you life and life abundantly. He didn't say, I came to kill your babies if you just don't want them. That's just, that's evil. Now let me say this. If you've been involved in abortion, God loves you. And his forgiveness, all you have to do is ask him. He's going to forgive you. And you can be redeemed and restored. So we're not against people that have been involved or been caught in it. I just want you to know we're against that whole activity of killing our babies. How can you make that right? You can't. We call it choice. That's ignorant. It's not choice. It's a choice to kill a baby. Well, we got to be more bold in helping people see that the answer to this brokenness in your life, this alcoholism, this addiction that you're fighting with, the answer to this uh, condemnation, the poverty of spirit, the, whatever you're facing, the, the depression of your soul, whatever the is, we've got to be more bold to say that the name of healing or the medicine you need to take right now is Jesus. In his name. They were singing that song. I love it about the name of Jesus. I got to thinking, even ran through scripture just a minute. At the name of Jesus, what have we seen? Would you help me? At the name of Jesus, what, did we, what have we seen from the scripture? 
power. We saw a blind man heal. What have we seen? The name of Jesus. Goodness, absolutely. Okay, good. Anybody else? Saw people, he saw, he raised people from dead. That's how powerful is the name of Jesus. What was over here? Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that he is Lord. It'll be a great song in heaven, and I know the title will be Jesus. What else have we seen Scripture say about at the name of Jesus? Healing. Blind can see. Lame can walk. Deaf can hear. Dead were raised. There's power in this name. Yes? We've got to become bold in telling that to people of our life. I hurt with you, sister, in your pain. But let me tell you, if you will run toward the Lord in this, will be your answer. You know, I've found that somebody has an experience with the, with the Lord and the power of the Holy Spirit moves on their life. I've watched him, watched the Spirit bring healing and emotional and physical, whatever, restoration. In an instant, that would have taken 10 years of counseling to not to address but probably not fix. It's Jesus. He is the solution. He is the answer. I'm just saying we, we've got to stand up and be strong and not, not cower, not apologize for our position to be Jesus on this earth. We just do what we do, loving people all at the same time. We're just not condemning people. We're condemning a spirit. Now I believe this disappearing from the midst will happen at the time when the church leaves at the rapture. I think that when that is drawn away, then this full darkness is going to come in upon the planet. And the, and the evil one will be fully revealed at that time. Vicki, could you come? I've had people say, you're scaring us, and I don't, I don't, I don't mean to scare you. I'm just, I want us to be awake. I want, as a church, for us to be awake. Because it says that we are not of the night. We will be of the day. We will see these things coming. It's not going to take us by surprise. My intent is for us to be awake, to be prepared, to be anticipating the, the return of the Lord, to be, take up a courage that we may not have yet known, a courage to stand, to love, to take the message not to be just good church people, but to be a, a, a warring class of believers that goes out into the highways and byways and compelling people, you got to see what he's doing here. That's what I want us to be. I'm hoping it'll stir these questions. See if you have them. Am I prepared to not be deceived by the great deception that is coming? Am I prepared to not be deceived? How? Simple. Give your life to Jesus if you haven't. Give your life to the Lord. Get in a Bible-believing church. We'd love to have you here where you can get in some small groups and get around God's Word and you start consuming, eating that Word, studying it. You get around a group of believers who begin to help you implement these truths into your life. And in that environment, you're going to be surrounded by truth. And that will be a, a strong defense even with the Spirit of God within you. Second, am I prepared when Jesus returns to stand before the throne of God or the judgment of God? 
ask yourself, will I, am I covered by the blood of Jesus? So that when I stand before him, I don't stand before him as my broken sinful nature. I stand before him as one covered by the blood of Christ. I've got a righteous robe upon me. Are you ready to stand before him? If you're not, come, let us show you how. We'll pray with you this morning before you leave. Third, are my family and my friends and my neighbors and my acquaintances ready to meet Jesus? Are they in a position to where they can stand and not be deceived about what is coming? And will I ask for a broken heart for their lostness? And will I ask for a courageous faith to give me the courage to go take the message to them? Brother Pat Finley, who used to pastor here, someone sent me a a line from a message that he said Sunday, and I want to say it to you. If we don't invite everyone we know, we've misunderstood the glories of heaven and the terribleness of hell. If we're not inviting everybody we know, we don't understand what's happening at the end. So, as we come to this end, and we've kind of shown a light on this Antichrist, I will tell you now that the one that we serve is Jesus, and He is your answer. Whatever your question, He is your answer. And we've been praying and have been praying as a church for since we've been a, together that the power of the Holy Spirit speaks much more loudly to you than who's ever standing behind this pulpit. And that in the midst of that, the Spirit of God will be speaking what you need to hear, what you need to do. So here in just a moment, we're going to give you an opportunity to spend some time in prayer. If you need help in any question, come forward. I'm going to have some people here who will pray with you. Let's just take a moment to answer those questions that I said at the end. Are you ready? We're getting ourselves prepared, and we can identify, but are we ready? That's between you and the Lord.